Welcome to this episode of Upside Down, a podcast of unscripted conversations on life and faith. I'm Christy James, and with me are Lindsay Wallace and Lori Harris. Hey. Yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> so this episode is going to break a little bit from our norm, and that is because today we're interviewing a guest, and I, for one, am really excited about it. Our guest for this episode is the Tyler Burns. Tyler Burns hosts. <laughs> yeah. Tyler hosts Pass the Mic along with Jamar Tisby. And Pass the Mic is the podcast of RAN, which is the Reformed African American Network. I have uh, been listening to the podcast for a while now, and I've learned so much from hearing these guys talk through issues with courage and with wisdom. Um, Tyler always says, follow at your own risk when he gives his Twitter handle. But I may say at this point, I feel like it's kind of a risk not to, because I've learned so much from what they have to say. So Mm. you guys need to be listening to this podcast. Tyler, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for (laughs) coming on our podcast. We're so excited to have you. Wow. I've never been introduced as the Tyler. (laughs) First time, right? Yeah, we're starting yeah. off on a good foot. I really like that's that. great. Right. <laughs> I really want you, you to say you greetings so and God bless. Uh, you want me to do the typical <laughs> pass? I, I, I really just want to hear you say it. Oh, <laughs> you're kidding, right? You you really want to hear me say it? For real, I, I really do want to hear you. Say it. Okay, here we go. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, Dynamic <laughs> Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by the Reformed African American Network. There That's you go. Pretty yes. amazing. It kind of sounded pre-recorded. I'm impressed. Oh, yeah. I do it the same way every time. Uh-huh. I wake up in the middle of the night saying it. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. Got love some it. things to learn from you for sure. Yeah. Well, Lindsay, do you want to um, kind of explain what we're going to be I, talking about? I do. First, I want to say we're kind of committing a faux pas, um, which is we're asking one person to speak for an entire group of people. Um, so that's like not generally something that you would want to do. Although I think um, what we are doing is modeling what the, these kind of conversations can look like. And so um, I've had the idea for a while now of, um, you know, we hear about uh, parents of children of color um, having conversations with their kids that are referred to as the talk. And I'm going to let Tyler kind of explain what that is in a minute. But I've wondered for a long time, what is the white version of the talk? And what is our responsibility as Christians to our brothers and sisters to be having conversations with our um, white kids about um, stewarding their privilege well and stewarding their privilege with their brother in mind and their sister in mind and having really that um, kingdom mentality? You know, so what does that look like? Um, and one night, I think Tyler, he, he commented on Facebook that he maybe listened to the first episode and immediately I was like, just jumped on it and, and sent him a Facebook message and said, Hey, can we interview you? And I didn't even know what for yet. I just knew that we wanted to get him on the show. Um, and yeah, I didn't know what I was going to say. I don't know. I like, I don't know. <laughs> and as we were communicating back and forth, I, it kind of hit me. Like I've been wanting to. And I was trying to figure out, is this a blog post? Like, you know, do I invite some other maybe like moms of color to share their talk and we could have a back and forth? What does that look like? And it just hit me like Tyler is just so full of knowledge and wisdom and he's not a parent yet, but he has parents and he's just super graceful in all of the conversations on past the mic. And so I thought, what what better person to have a conversation with? So that's Mm -hmm. kind of how we all got here. Um, so Tyler, can you, for those of us who don't know, what is the talk that parents of color have with their kids? Yeah. So I'll say three things before I get in. Um, the first is I'm a big fan of the podcast and I'm, I'm a subscriber and listener. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of what you guys do. And ever since that first podcast, I've enjoyed hearing your diverse perspectives and enjoyed how raw and real you guys are. So I just want to say that big ups to you guys. Thank you. And I'll give two disclaimers before I get into what the talk is. Now, the first disclaimer is it's not exactly a universal thing within the black community. So if you run into certain black families that may not give the talk to their kids, um, you you may run into that. We're not a monolith. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So there are going to be kids who have never heard it. There are going to be parents who are strongly and staunchly against it. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be some parents who 
believe that it's actually harmful and reverse mm-hmm. discriminatory, which we can get into. Yeah. But for me, I believe it's widespread enough for us to talk about it as something that is an, a survivalism, an adaptive mechanism within the Black community, within Black and Brown families, that I, I think it's fair enough to say that most black and brown children have heard some variation of the talk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then the second and then the second thing I'll say is is, you know, just for those who are listening, we're gonna take a very strong social glance mm-hmm. and commentary. So I just want to make sure everyone knows mm-hmm. that I <laughs> affirm <laughs> the gospel points about reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Fully agree with Colossians one, Ephesians two, Revelation five, nine, seven, and I'm right there. I do believe the cross has reconciled us together as one body mm-hmm. in unity in Christ Jesus. But I also believe in the reality of the fall. Mm-hmm. And right. the fall yes. means that there's a broken and a flawed world. Mm-hmm. So because of that, there are forces in this world that are pushing against r- racial reconciliation, pushing against what God intends to set up here eventually in his kingdom. So I believe that we're kind of in the already, but not yet. There mm-hmm. is yeah. already racial reconciliation mm-hmm. in heaven, but mm-hmm. we have here on earth. So I just want to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just have to put that out there for people who are just listening and like, who is this guy? What is he talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I appreciate that. Yeah, so we're going to replay that often. Right. <laughs> that was very succinct and like spot on. <laughs> I appreciate it. Okay. So the talk. On the surface, what we know as the talk is often just instructions for children regarding their interactions with law enforcement. So that's the typical conception of the mm-hmm. talk. Basic instructions from parents on how children should interact with law enforcement. But it's a little bit different and it's a little bit deeper than that when people peering in from the outside would just say, well, it's just instructions on how to deal with police officers. Mm -hmm. But it's a little bit deeper than that. And at the core, behind the surface level instructions of what to do and what not to do, it's really a conversation about how to navigate broader society Mm-hmm. with our blackness. Mm-hmm. Like that's what yeah. it's really about, is how do we navigate <clears throat> this broader society and this broader world with our blackness in mind. So typically it goes a little bit like this. There will be specific instructions. Mm-hmm. Son, daughter, I want you to remember whenever you're entering into a place where you have an interaction with law enforcement, I want you to keep your hands visible at all times. Mm-hmm. Don't make any sudden movements in front of the police. If you're driving, keep your hands at 10 and 2. Mm-hmm. Don't talk back. Be respectful. Do what they say. Tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Don't wear a hoodie. But as one writer said, it's really, they're all variations of a single thing, which is don't give them an excuse to kill you. Right. Yeah. So really, at its root, it's a survival mechanism that yeah. grew out of the African-American community based upon tenuous, strained relationships Mm-hmm. with the law enforcement of a particular community, but even bigger than that, all authority figures in a community. Mm-hmm. So that's just the general gist of right. what talk is. If someone asks for a Cliff Notes version, that's what the talk is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so how old were you, if you don't mind sharing with us, when your parents had the talk with you? Sure. Um, hmm. You know, it's funny. I've talked about it on the podcast. I'm not exactly sure how old I was specifically, mm-hmm. But I do remember that I was around probably the 9, 10, 11, 12 range, somewhere in mm-hmm. between that, like 9 to 12. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact age, but I vividly remember the scenario. I remember the store we were in, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Can and you we were tell in. Story? Yeah, I'd love to. So we were in a line uh, to check out at the grocery store. It was at Albertsons right down the street from us. We don't have Albertsons anymore, but it was at Albertsons right down the street from us. And as a kid, one thing you have to understand about me is I absolutely love to run. Like that was just me. I just love to run, not long distances, but short sprints. <laughs> I read the book by uh, Eric Liddell mm-hmm. um, and, and the, seen the movie Chariots of Fire. Right. And he has that quote where he says, um, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Uh-huh. So yeah. I, I, that was my life quote for years before my knees started popping. So <laughs> I was just always looking for these opportunities to run. So I would always just take off running. And I remember we reached that checkout counter and my mom looked back to looked back at my dad and said, oh, I forgot this. And I don't remember what it was. It was a small item. And before they could stop me, I just darted down. Mm-hmm. I said, I got it. And I just darted mm-hmm. down the aisle. 
So I remember I was just jogging at first. Then I was in an all-out sprint. Mm-hmm. So I back just a few miles over. And again, I just love to run, love to show how fast I was. I'm like, I'm going to get back before mm-hmm. they scan all my mom's items. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's my big test. The challenge. So it's very innocent, right? Very innocent. So I run back. And as soon as I'm heading back, I see my dad and he has his hand up in a stop motion. Mm-hmm. And his face is just terrified. Mm-hmm. It looks like semi-panicked. And he grabs me and pulls me close mm-hmm. and says, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a stereotypical kid question is, is why? He's like, mm-hmm. never run in a store. And I'm like, dad, why? Mm-hmm. He said, because they might think you're stealing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So for me, I was thinking, well, don't run because I might trip over something. Right. Don't run because right. I might knock over an you old lady. run into somebody. Mm-hmm. Run into somebody, <laughs> might make a mess. But his primary concern was that I would not be viewed as a criminal. Mm-hmm. His primary concern and conception was that my son, who in studies have shown people view African, black and brown children, African-American children, typically as much older than what they mm-hmm. actually are. Age is yeah. to be older than, than than what their age actually is. Right. And so his conception was, you can't do that. And mm-hmm. I remember I was so embarrassed. I was like, I just wanted to help out. Mm-hmm. And he just stared at me and said, you cannot do that. And so just to give context, I was raised in a very conservative home. So for me, the idea that I could be profiled or mm-hmm. that I could be picked out of a lineup or a crowd or I could be perceived as a criminal was laughable to mm-hmm. me. Right. Um, but they saw something that I did. So that was the first iteration of the talk. And we can get into, I don't really think the talk is one event. I think it's a right. conversation. So. Right, mm-hmm. right. So as a whole, how did, how, I mean, you're not a parent yet, but how do you feel like that that idea of protecting your child and being fearful of um of their, you know, for their safety, for their livelihood, how do you think that overshadows parents of color in the way that they approach parenting as a whole? Yeah, that's a really good question. As you mentioned, I'm married. I'm not a parent yet. Um, but we want to have a whole bunch of kids. We want to have a tribe of kids. <laughs> so we already had talking. Do we already <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we already had talks about how we're going to parent our kids in, mm-hmm. in a very racialized society. How do we hold both the reality of theology and the reality of society in in both hands? How can we have that ambidextrous view? So first, before I can answer that, we have to kind of take a step back and recognize why parents of color parent differently. Mm -hmm. There's there's just a different way that black parents lead, teach, disciple their children. So Mm -hmm. when we're talking about the talk, it's 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 something to remember what Dr. Carl Ellis says uh, very famously. He calls it side A and side B theology. Mm-hmm. How do we transmit theology in majority culture communities and minority mm-hmm. culture? That there's a side A and a side B. Now he popularized this analogy when there were cassette tapes. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you remember cassette tapes, if you were born in the '90s, you definitely yes. don't. <laughs> we, we remember. Uh-huh. Remember. Okay. Okay. Good. So cassette tapes were side A, side B. So there was one side, and then you have to flip it over to another side. Now, what he says, and and he posits, is that side A is kind of the majority culture understanding of how theology and biblical truth is transmitted. That's like the ontological knowledge of God. This is what we know about God, mm-hmm. doctrine. Um, theological statements, creeds, confessions, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a side B, which is most commonly seen in minority communities. And that's the ethical application of doctrine. Mm-hmm. So we have side A is the, the knowledge, mm-hmm. but side B is the application of that knowledge. So popular, and he says this multiple times, if you ever hear him talk, he'll probably bring this up, but popular song within black churches is, the lyrics are, I will trust in the Lord till I die. And then verse two or three says, I'm going to treat everybody right till I die. Mm. Very mm-hmm. simple, not not a big, deep words, not super lapsarianism or infolapsarianism. <laughs> what it is, is it's transmitting both the ontological knowledge of who God is mm-hmm. into the ethical application right. 
action. Mm -hmm. So that's really how we see the tandem. And sometimes people look at black parents and they say, oh, they're not teaching their kids. Mm -hmm. And and the problem with that is they mistake the way in which they teach their kids for deficiency or insufficiency in how they teach their kids. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, these are these are words I heard growing up. Many black parents teach with a side B perspective. So um, they, they would say stuff. My mom would always say these things like, "Now you know better." <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know what that means, you know, if, if my mom says that, she's communicating a lot. That's complex. In four mm-hmm. words, she's communicating <laughs> disappointment and mm-hmm. shame and you should be respectful and you should remember mm-hmm. who you are. She's communicated a lot to me. People are like, oh, well, you didn't, you need to tell them more. You need to explain why. No, we get it. Mm-hmm. That's just a side that. <laughs> and then another one, you know, don't act like you don't have home training. Mm-hmm. Don't act like you don't have home training going to the store. Mm-hmm. And that's just something my mom, my parents used to always tell me. So there are different ways in which black parents have led their children to truth and mm-hmm. taught them respect and honor some of these concepts, not from necessarily solely an ontological perspective, mm-hmm. but also from an af- uh, ethical application perspective. So sure. if people are asking, why are we having this talk? Well, we're having this talk because there is a history in our country. And the history of our country is that black citizens are typically disenfranchised, that people mm-hmm. of color are typically perceived as threats. Mm-hmm. or typically perceived as criminals mm-hmm. right. in tenuous situations. And we recognize the difficulty of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. But black parents also recognize that they don't give the talk because they, they dislike law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Right. They give the talk yeah. because they love their children. Yeah, right? they want they their want kids their to come home alive. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's, right. not, it's not a disrespect or, or lack of authority. But no. So parents see things a little bit differently. Yeah. in the black community and it's all about survival it's all about that adaptive mechanism mm-hmm. right so you mentioned earlier you don't think the talk is a one-time thing so can you kind of explain what you meant when you said that so it's interesting because the talk quote-unquote that i received very briefly in the store looked differently at 19 when i got my driver's license mm-hmm. so when I got my driver's license, the talk was a little bit more structured and extensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's sit down and let's discuss how you are going to. And they, they cloaked it. My parents are, are clever. They cloaked <laughs> it in. Well, we want to make sure you're doing the right thing mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. get this driver's license. Mm-hmm. And so, like, of course, you know, I'm not going to do anything crazy. Like, I, I recognize that. But their idea was. They slid in there at one point. Okay, now if the cops pull you over, make sure you're at 10 and 2. Mm-hmm, right. Make sure your hands are at all times. No sudden movements. Say yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And then they moved quickly into something else. But they were trying to communicate to me. And even at that point, I wasn't really familiar with racial animus. I hadn't really received mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. body incidents. But I lived a pretty privileged existence up until that point. And it wasn't until my first encounter with law enforcement that I saw why mm. they gave me those instructions. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I recognized that I was being treated differently than other kids and other people that I had seen pulled over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's an ongoing conversation. It's not something that just stops right. at one talk, but it's actually a, a full understanding. And all parents, when it comes to authority and honor, and reconciliation, have that ongoing conversation with their children. Yeah. It's not just for black communities, but it's also for all communities, majority communities included, to have that ongoing conversation about what it means to exist together. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Which is a good segue. So one of the reasons that we wanted to have this conversation, that I wanted to have this conversation, is to address how do we as parents raising white children, how do we use our the privilege that we do have and that our kids will have, how do we use that to love our brothers and sisters of color? And so before we get into that, though, I just want to say to the listeners, if maybe white privilege is a term, you know, that you're not used to, you're not comfortable with, I want to encourage you, Pass the Mic has an entire episode on white privilege, and it's excellent. So mm-hmm. you can just pause and go listen to that <laughs> and come back. Because we're not going to dive into 
what is it? Is it real? You know, what does it look like? All of that. We're just going to, we're going to move forward with, we think it is real and it does exist. And it, and so you can go educate yourself on that and then come back and listen to the rest of this. But so as, so kind of going to that question as white parents, what, what do you think is the version of the talk that we have with our kids in terms of when they see an injustice, when they see their friends treated differently, what what is the white version of the talk that we can begin to have with our kids? Mm, that's very interesting. Would you say that you guys have have experienced pushback? Would you say that the talk is widespread in that area in the white community, in, yeah. in white majority communities, or even in Christian communities? Would you say it's just not no. people typically don't no. do that? No, no. people don't never. think about it. Mm-mm. And I think we. I have had people say to me, what, what is the, what do I say? What is the talk? So Mm -hmm. I think some people are starting to think about it, but Mm -hmm. as far as being widespread, my experience is not at all. Yeah. Yeah, In my context, I would say Mm -hmm. not at all. Yeah. I was actually, Mm -hmm. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old and an almost three-year-old. And so we were sitting at dinner tonight and I was asking them some questions, kind of preparing for tonight just to see what they would say. And my whole, as I was thinking about the idea of the talk, I was just thinking about it in terms of like general, like a, a more, a broader context. I, it had, it honestly had not crossed my mind that it would be specific to how you're responding, um, when you're in situations where you're interacting with law enforcement, um, which right. I think brings a much more sober, like to me, that feels way heavier, um, than right. just, um, what I was sort of thinking, which is, you know, different, but in some ways maybe parallels conversations. I have three daughters. So like conversations mm-hmm. I would have with them about, um, being aware of their surroundings at night or, um, right. you know, making good choices about, um, who they're, you know, who it, not walking home by yourself or those kinds of things. Right. But this is, this is very different. So, um, yeah, I had a different idea of, you know, even tonight, what you were going to, how you were going to explain that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I'm just I was just very interested in in how you guys perceive that for your own kids and what kind of the the consensus was. I have a lot of uh, white brothers and sisters who are friends, very close friends, but we don't really talk about how they would train their kids unless Mm -hmm. it's kind of a reflexive. Mm -hmm. Why do you why do you guys talk about this? And, you know, aren't you aren't you breeding fear and aren't you breeding Mm -hmm. unrest and aren't you breeding suspicion and. That's very interesting. I think the first question is, you know, what is the white version of the talk? And I think the white version of the talk, it's funny, I was talking to a pastor recently, and he said his father, who was a state trooper for six to eight years, mm-hmm. he, he said, and he, my father taught me to be 10 and 2, the exact same thing. That's what mm-hmm. my father taught me, which was interesting. And, mm-hmm. and I think that most parents aren't really thinking thinking through that, I think he was probably teaching his son that as a result of what he saw on the job and mm-hmm. his desire for his son not to not to end up like some of the people in their community. Mm-hmm. But I think, so I think much of the talk revolves around the context of where you live. Like for mm-hmm. me, I live in the South. Mm-hmm. I live with, on the handle in Pensacola, Florida. And I recognize that there is black representation in our city, but then there's also a very tenuous relationship between law enforcement and urban communities. Mm-hmm. I reckon mm-hmm. there's symposiums and forums about that. And so that will shape if I'm raising my, my kid in a different area, it'll probably shape how extensive that talk is yeah. and what I know about. So it really, it really is incumbent upon parents to be informed regardless of your ethnicity and community yeah. It's incumbent on you to be informed of what is going on in your city. Mm-hmm. You can't uh-huh. just close the door and then be in a silo <laughs> and go to church and go to work and go to school. But what mm-hmm. actually is going on in the community and who are people that you can trust and, and reach out to to understand the dynamics, the power dynamics of each city? Because each city is different. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I think the second the second part of your question is how do we prepare you know, children to wield privilege for good, like to use it for the good of all people, the right. good of their brothers and sisters, the good of, as Jesus would say, your neighbor. Mm-hmm. I think it's threefold, and I'll give these one at a time. I think the first is there has to be education. Mm-hmm. And I think 
it's twofold in this case. Children have to be taught proper history mm-hmm. and yeah. comprehensive theology. Yeah. So I think those are two distinct things. Now, the proper history thing, most people would say, of course. Most people would look at our history textbooks and would say that there is drastically insufficient Yes. Black yes. Drastically insufficient. I, I counted, I think, recently, how many people that look like me did I see in my history mm-hmm. books in all of high school, and I think 10. And mm. I think three of them were bad. So I think right. it's like, yeah. like seven. So I'm so just give crazy. or take like six and a half good people. Um, <laughs> that look like me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there was typically two or three pages, and that mm-hmm. would be kind of we cram in. This is all of Black history mm-hmm. in America, right? So most people would identify that, you know, if we don't teach kids that there are other people of different communities that have achieved and excelled, they right. won't know it's possible. That's mm-hmm. easy. But then I think the second part is comprehensive theology. Now this is the hard part. This is the difficult conception. Now, I'm reformed in the sense of materiology. I'm reformed in how I view God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. But what I what I also recognize is that incumbent in the tradition, reformed tradition, quote unquote, is a very heavy emphasis on Euro and Anglo voices, mm-hmm. pictures, images, mm-hmm. and construct of theology. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about comprehensive theology, are all the pictures of Jesus that right. your children mm-hmm. seeing white mm-hmm. right. or, yeah. or Anglo? Mm-hmm. That's dangerous. Right. That yep. is incredible. People don't think that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It is so dangerous. And they don't see how much of an obstacle it is mm-hmm. to minister to urban kids when mm-hmm. all they see is just white. Mm-hmm. All, yeah. they uh-huh. see, all they see is Anglo. And so our... Are there representations of of Christianity that you're regularly exposing your kids to that are multi-ethnic, that are um, even places where black and brown pastors are preaching and teaching and they're Mm -hmm. able to to instruct and exhort? That symbol is very powerful for children. That they say, oh, okay, well, this is someone. I was at a church recently and I preached seven times in three days and not church. Yeah, it was it was crazy. So it's a phenomenal church. And they are intentionally multi-ethnic. So everything they do is very, and, and when most people think of multi-ethnic, they think of like the 20% line. So as mm-hmm. long as you have right, 20% right. of other ethnicity <laughs> or other ethnicities, you qualify in the sociological description. But this is a like 50-50 church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when I stood up, it was no surprise. Now mm-hmm, I've stood up in mm-hmm. other places and it's been huge surprise like people's eyes have been big like mm-hmm. <laughs> even how i talk i'm I'm a little urban so so people are like man who is this guy what's he doing yeah. up there preach is he gonna rap is he gonna <laughs> but but i think you're doing kids a disservice and you're doing your children a disservice if the only books you read yes the only pastors you listen to the only music you intake mm-hmm. is europe mm-hmm. Anglo. Yeah. you just doing yeah. them a, dis- yeah. a disservice and so I think that's a big part of comprehensive theology. That's kind of the third rail of Christianity, but it's a, it's important for mm-hmm. how kids understand the world around them. Mm-hmm. So that's the first point. I'll just, if you guys have any threads you want to pull on that, I'll let you pull. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I agree. I, our church plant, we have a, co- my husband has a co-pastor. He's an African-American guy. And so in, so every other week we have a black pastor speak and it's like, it's, makes our church just this beautiful picture and it's not perfect but i can see this shift we're reaching african-american teenagers more so than we're reaching their parents Mm -hmm. but when they sit and listen to thomas preach it's a whole different thing Mm -hmm. than when they sit and listen to thad preach Mm -hmm. um and it's just it's a beautiful picture but it's been a it's been a hard process to get there Mm mm-hmm yeah. It's not easy. It's very messy and it's very difficult. I think if most people would ask this question, even as they listen, and I hear this a lot in, in my own community, well, does it really take all that? I mean, do you really need to do all this? Mm-hmm. Why are you guys always talking about this? And you're always, and I always tell them, you're not going to trip into racial reconciliation. Right. <laughs> like, it's, it's just not going to come. It's intentional. It takes effort. It takes work. It takes, mm-hmm. it takes true true dedication and commitment. It takes you being willing to get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that will start within 
your home. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't start in yeah. your home, it yeah. won't translate into society. So mm-hmm. and that is I a think, huge thing. Yeah, something that I would just add to that is as parents, as you're, you know, it, like like what Tyler said, you're, you know, introducing books and real life people and, you know, the representation on stage and all of that is hugely important. But it's also important for us as adults to put ourselves under leadership mm-hmm. that yes. we're not used to being under. You mm-hmm. know, it's important for me as a white woman to have a black woman as a mentor and as a leader in my neighborhood. It's mm-hmm. important for us to to recognize and to do the do the history, right? Because like I went to public school. So the books that you saw, those are the same books that I saw, you know? And so mm-hmm. now as an adult, I'm having to go back and read like lies my teacher told me, you know, right. some of these books that are out there now that right. really expose like the, the, the history that we were taught that one of our friends here in the neighborhood says history is written by the winners, right? Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, it's not written it. by people who were enslaved. Typically, mm-hmm. I mean, it's written, but then it's not put in schools, you know, we're not learning right. that as a as a country and so I think it's important too for adults like if you're doing this work with your kids you kind of have to do the work yourself mm-hmm. first yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the like one of the greatest things about my kids being the only white kids in their public schools and sitting under black teachers all the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. this is a constant conversation and so mm-hmm. they're getting a flip side of history that I never got mm-hmm. and it's taught in an environment that is so beautiful and my kids are coming home at a young age my oldest is 15 my youngest is six but they're talking about things that I never thought of um, when I was their age and even probably up until I was in my 30s you know that I began to question some of the things I had been taught as a child mm-hmm. and it's been the neatest thing to, to see it's been hard though being the minority and and um, trying to fit in in that environment and and then being a part of the white culture here that's it's a very it's a very odd thing, but it is so worth it. Like it is the, uh, for me, it is the best thing we've given our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have said that 10 years ago, you know, mm-hmm. but being on the flip wow. side, it's a neat thing to experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, that is huge. <laughs> Most people who talk about multi-ethnic churches and spaces are comfortable with it so long as there is majority leadership. Right. And mm-hmm. so long as there's mm-hmm. that, which is far easier than the reverse. And mm-hmm. we're seeing in, I think the churches, we're seeing a reverse of this, or at least there's teams together where people are working strategically, where there's first among equals, where there's a number of different leadership organizational models that are helping to empower yeah. uh, people of color. But yeah. most people would not be comfortable with that. And <laughs> that is very, that is a very tense conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, some churches prematurely congratulate themselves on being yeah. multi-ethnic when yeah. they really just assimilated in the minorities yeah. mm-hmm. that think like them, talk like them, sing like them, yep. vote like them, and, and then yeah. we're like, that's a win. We're reconciled. It's right. like, well, yep. no, because I've had to put down my blackness to be mm-hmm. a part of this church. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel Man, like... that's a whole other conversation. I know. Yeah, yeah. I see. That's why I stopped. Like, I'm not getting me in trouble. You're anymore. like, here <laughs> they go. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I would say like in the last probably three or four months, I've my like the very tip of my pinky toe is starting to um, dip into some of this water where I'm just I'm learning so much and um, I feel like I'm just I'm seeing things that I didn't see before. I didn't know were there. Um, and one of those examples is you just saying like, actually the talk has a lot to do with, um, being careful when you're interacting with law enforcement. Like I've, it's never crossed my mind. Um, like when my parents gave my, my grandfather was a police officer in Indianapolis. And so my dad kind of gave me probably kind of like your friend, um, like the police officer family talk about, you know, this is what you do when you get pulled over. It might've been kind of different, but the question was never, um, you know, we want to do this to protect your life. The question right. was maybe you you'll, if you're respectful life? enough, you might not get a fine. Take it. Yeah. You, um, <clears throat> and so I'm just, I, I just want to speak up as someone who has been really blind to a lot of this for a long time and who's sort of just starting to, um, peel back the layers and, and, you know, realize that there's so much that I need to go back and relearn and learn for the first time. It, 
it, I could have gone so much longer without knowing and without acknowledging and without seeing. And so, um, you know, for the people who are listening, who are like, this is so foreign. Um, I just want to like reaffirm what I think all of you guys are saying, which is that it takes work and it takes time and it takes commitment. And if we want our kids to be kids who grow up kind of understanding this and then we have, we do, we have to be doing the work to understand it and to, um, to be listening and learning and, um, and acting, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think what's important to point out is uh, I'm so thankful that you said that, that much of the talk revolves around not just obeying Mm -hmm. because that's what most people, the buzzword in our community Whenever there is a law enforcement Mm -hmm. to community forum, we know it's going to happen is comply. Right. Comply Mm -hmm. is going to be mentioned. And we have black we have a black police chief. So we have some representation on law enforcement in the sheriff's department, et cetera. But the buzzword is going to be comply, comply, comply. Mm -hmm. What I think some see and most people listening would say, we should you should comply with the authorities Mm -hmm. and then there will Mm -hmm. never be any of these incidents. There'll never, never be any of these problems. Well, what we see is that it's, it's not just that you obey, it's how you obey. Mm -hmm. That's what we're getting at. How we obey can be life or death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there was a a man in South Carolina who the cop pulled in behind him to a gas station and he was stepping out of his car and the cop hops out and says, get your license. Show me your license. And so the mm-hmm. guy reaches back mm-hmm. in. He says, oh, okay. And so he reaches back in to get his license mm-hmm. and he gets shot. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, I just obeyed. What, do you, what, are, you, what are you doing? Right. I mean, right. like mm-hmm. a, a Charles Kinsey in, in Miami, a mental health therapist who was mm-hmm. helping yep. a patient who was having an episode. And he's got his hands fully up. He's mm-hmm. on the ground. I saw that. I saw that. That was painful to watch. Mm-hmm. It's harrowing. It's, it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. And so what mm-hmm. we would say is we're not advocating for disrespect this isn't right right thugs you know like Mm -hmm. we're not advocating for that like criminal behavior but we're advocating that normal behavior be treated normally for all yes Mm -hmm. and that that young people in particular uh young black people would not be given a death sentence on the street Mm -hmm. that they Mm -hmm. even if you feel like they're doing something wrong that 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 wouldn't automatically mean we shoot them. Mm-hmm. Right. We move lethal force. Mm-hmm. So it's right. really not just it's really not just that you obey. It's how you obey, and that's the difficulty of the talk that people have. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, if you respect law enforcement and you love our police, then you would have no problems because you act the way you're supposed to act and you do what you're supposed to do. And the reality of the matter is, it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. No. The history has told us it's how you obey and how you carry yourself that can be a life or death calculation. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So I think that was your first point. Right. Right. <laughs> I'll we just went, say one more. I'll we just went say down. No, you can talk as long as you want. I'll just I'll just say one more. And it's how you view the image of God in people. And mm-hmm. Jesus yes. we're talking about the upside down. Jesus comes and flips everything yeah. from the mighty and the powerful, mm-hmm. the religious elite to the least of these. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to train children in every community i'm a youth pastor so i have to have this talk with our kids most of our kids come from two-parent homes very progressive black professional homes Mm -hmm. so they're middle class upper middle class they don't have any any needs or wants um they they get everything that that they would desire and so when when new kids come in there's often this pecking order that happens and this is a predominantly black youth group and there is mm-hmm. still this pecking order that happens where kids will be ostracized based upon what they have or do not have. Mm. And it is very difficult to train our our kids and to train our youth to think about these things along the lines of the least of these, how yep. Jesus conceives and views power, that it's not about those who are mighty and powerful and who have all the right qualifications and who have everything that we would see as desirable. Paul says, notice... Right. To the Corinthian church, there's not that many wise, it's not that many mighty, it's not that many powerful. Why? Because God has chosen foolish things of this world to confound mm-hmm. the wise. Mm-hmm. That it's it's the least of these that Jesus is going to come back and see. How have right. you treated these? Jesus, where do we do this to you? You did it to me as much as you did it to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
I think training our kids in that is so difficult, Mm -hmm. as you guys have talked about, in the consumer culture Mm -hmm. and the privileged culture and the Mm -hmm. American culture, not even even the majority culture. It's it's an issue for everyone. Mm-hmm. How to see right. the least of these as the as the valuable ones, and how to press into relationship mm-hmm. with them as truly right. our neighbors. So mm-hmm. that's a lifelong yeah. conception. That's a mm-hmm. lifelong conversation and push mm-hmm. to to talk with our kids and to show them they have the image of they're made in the image of God, right? Mm-hmm. Just right. as much as you. So we value them. We give them dignity. We we affirm that mm-hmm. in them. Mm-hmm. And um, so that that's the second point. And I'll just leave it at that. But because the other <laughs> one kind of ties in. But that's a lifelong conversation. Yeah. And, and, and if you're talking about how to use privilege for good, if you're in relationship with your neighbor, mm-hmm. typically what will happen is your neighbor will will let you know directly or indirectly <laughs> how their dignity should be affirmed. Mm-hmm. I, I'll give you this story. My, uh, I have a neighbor, and the, the first time we interacted, he asked me for weed. And it was a very <laughs> uh, interesting conversation. <laughs> well, I'm cleaning out my car, and uh, guy steps out, he says, yo, man, you got any green? And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so at first I like, he was talking to me. Talking to and then he like makes a motion like, you got any green? And I'm like, nah, I didn't know what to say. I was like, oh, at least I don't think so. I mean, I don't. And so, and, so he's, and so he says, oh, okay, cool. And so I ask him his name. He tells me a name. I found out later he lied to me about his name because he just mm-hmm. he's very protective. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, days later, I run into him again and we start talking. And he says, hey, man, I, I, I know I, I lied when I gave you my name. I'm like, why did you lie? So this starts this hour-long conversation and so I'm asking him all these questions about the area and have you adjusted to the weather and he was from up north and living with his mom and I was like have you adjusted to the weather have you adjusted to the traffic to the people to and he doesn't care about any of that really mm-hmm. he's like man there's this there's this whipped cream up north <laughs> what he said man there's this whipped cream up north man it's just it's like a big tub and we haven't been able to find it anywhere <laughs> what? Like what? Like whipped cream? Like that's that's what you get. I'm asking him all these deep questions about his life and trying to be an evangelist. He's like, man, this is whipped cream, man. It's just this this whipped cream. We can't find it anywhere. And I'm like, really? And it just it just hit me that a lot of times we're we're trying to answer questions people aren't asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times we're trying to reach people on our terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do we how do we use our privilege for good? Okay, well we're gonna use it this way. And the people who we're trying to reach don't yeah. care about right. right. <laughs> like, that's not a, a conception we care about. Mm-hmm. We're caring about things that matter to us. Mm-hmm. And to learn what matters, you got to cut off cable news. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to close down your Facebook timeline. You have to <laughs> yeah. people. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you figure out how to use your privilege for good. Because they will show you things that you will never be able to see online and on the television screen mm-hmm. yes. they'll show themselves as you get closer as you serve as you love them they will not show you the stereotype and the generalization mm-hmm. but in proximity you will find out who they really are and what they really mm-hmm. um, need desire. so that's just yeah. what i would say, that we got to ask the questions we got to answer the questions people are actually asking mm-hmm. not just the questions that fit our narrative Lindsay and Lori, do you have any experience with that? <laughs> That's a joke. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I had that experience tonight. <laughs> yeah. I went to my, I, I serve on this parent advisory council for my school, which is awkward. I'm the only white person on the team. And we're sitting there with a the new principal and we're all having this conversation about, and we're trying to move the, the school forward. And we've got a couple of new parents that have come in on the team. They're actually grandparents. And they're asking all the questions that we don't want to answer. Do you know what I mean? So I'm sitting there and the meeting is going longer and longer and longer. And I'm thinking, we're not even on the same page. And just hearing what you said, Tyler, about we got to answer the answer the questions they're asking. And I had this just this thought of, I sat there with this nasty heart thinking, I want to move the school forward. Mm-hmm. I don't want to mm-hmm. help your kid learn how to comprehend literature. That's not the, this is not the team that we asked that question on. Wow. But the reality is if I'm going to love my neighbors, I am going to stop in the middle of that meeting and turn to her and 
and use my college degree to help this grandmother help her eighth grader mm-hmm. comprehend the literature because that's wow. my gift. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so convicted about that because I came home thinking I just wasted an hour and mm-hmm. I didn't. I just was self-centered mm-hmm. and I had a goal in my head of where that meeting was going to go and it didn't go there. Mm-hmm. So I wow. love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That is, that is a convicting story. Mm-hmm. It's a convicting story. I don't know that I have anything to add other than that's what we've been doing for the past year. And it's hard. I mean, it's hard to, um, to listen and not have answers. And I think I kind of have like, I want to fix everything personality anyway. Mm -hmm. And so to not rush in and say, Oh, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to fix this. We're going to fix that. But to actually just sit on your hands and listen and to learn from people who like Tyler said, they will teach you and they will show you, but you have to be willing to listen and to sit under their leadership and to submit yourselves to that. And most of Mm -hmm. us who come from majority culture aren't used to doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and like we've already said, you're not going to fall into it. You have to intentionally do that work and recognize. Yeah. And every day, I mean, I could tell story after story of every day, reali- like going about my normal daily life and getting a phone call or a knock on the door or something and realizing I was like, even just my thought process, the way that I was approaching something, the way that I was going about whatever it was that I was doing was incredibly privileged, incredibly privileged, even when, you know, I'm trying to intentionally shed the privilege and I'm, I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. here to love people, but it's still, you just don't realize kind of what you're walking around with Mm -hmm. uh, until it just smacks you upside the head sometimes. I mean, it kind of literally has to, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't think we understand the full concept of what it means to die to self. Yeah. And I think it's this, it is part That's of sanctification. It. it is this constant, mm-hmm. I have right. in my mind what I think my neighbors need. And then yep. here I sit five years later thinking, oh crap. And maybe in 10 years, I'll know who my neighbors really are mm-hmm. and how I can right. best love them. But it is a constant decision on my part to say, okay, I'm going to open the door. I'm going to lay my life down and I'm going to lay down my thought and my opinion. And I'm going to just listen to you. Mm-hmm. And I might think in my head, I know, I know what will solve this issue or, or what is the best thing for you. And I don't know. And that mm-hmm. is a hard thing to reconcile Right. to, to every day say, I don't know what you need. Only mm-hmm. you know what you need. God knows what you need. And, and together we're going to figure this thing out, but it's going to be messy and hard. And it's going to be a long process. Like this is a marathon. Mm-hmm. This is not right. a sprint. And that's, yeah. oh, that's hard. You mm-hmm. know? That's the key. It mm-hmm. is a marathon. It is a spirit led work. And mm-hmm. what we see, is everyone who started out in the work didn't always see the the fruit and the mm-hmm. manifestation yes. of that in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have Hebrews 11 dedicated to people who never mm-hmm. saw the fulfillment right. of the promise, but right. yet they lived in light of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that is very difficult for us to do. And it's very difficult for us not to fix things. But I think that is that is the call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I have one, um, I'm going to try to not open a whole can of worms here, (laughs) Um, but um, I'm wondering in light of um, maybe the potential of increased discrimination and hate crimes in the last, let's say, I guess by the time this airs, a couple months, um, do you, would that change the way that you would um, encourage me to talk to my kids about what they might see on the playground, about the things they might hear in the hallway at school. Um, You know, I've heard several firsthand stories of, um, you know, kids being told you you need to go back where you're from now, or um, we're going to send you back. We're going to deport you, which is, horrifying to think about, um, that happening ever, but especially for a child to be hearing that from, um, their peer. So I guess I'm just wondering, um, if you think, uh, that, uh, even parents in primarily white contexts should be prepared to, um, be having these kinds of conversations or what can we, what can I tell my seven-year-old 
um, to be paying attention, you know, for, I want her to be, she is actually naturally the kid that will, she seeks out the, the ones that are on the margins. And I love that about her, but how can I, um, you know, talk to her about things she might hear and what she can do, um, at that level. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think there's, there's two realities. There's a reality that kids are sometimes cruel mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes say some things that, that they don't understand or that they've heard from their parents or from the news and won't really know what they, they mean. They'll just right. want to say those types of things. But there's also the reality that we should not diminish that as unimportant or, mm-hmm. oh, that's just kids being kids. Right. And right. We, we recognize that that's, that's valuable, that young people who are listening to that and who are the recipients of that can be shaped for years from mm-hmm, that. They may mm-hmm. never tell their parents. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think the main thing I would emphasize is that the stakes are high. The stakes are high for black families over the next yeah. four years. The stakes are high. And I don't really know how else to say that without coming across as an alarmist or right. uh, someone who's being dramatic, but the stakes are very high for us. Yeah. And if you are going to lead your kids in the area, they have to see it consistently in your life. Mm-hmm. That if you're not caring mm-hmm. about this, to tell them to care about this will seem hypocritical. Right. Mm-hmm. Say, well, you. what about your friend? And what about right. Uncle Dave? And what about, I'm sorry if someone has an Uncle Dave. He's not a racist. <laughs> no, we... but, um... My kids have an Uncle Dave. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, okay, what about your uncle? What about, you know, I'm trying to think of a weird name. <laughs> what about your uncle? What about your cousin? You know, and right. so how are you doing this to where your kids can see this is what a stand looks like? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes telling kids stand up for those people, it, it may be difficult for them to actually see what that looks like. But right. if you say this yeah. is a scenario yeah. in mm-hmm. which I can show you practically, this is how you will stand for people, mm-hmm. firm their dignity, love them and defend them, mm-hmm. even when they're defenseless. To, to be a voice for them when they are voiceless. Mm-hmm. That's going to take parents stepping up and embodying incarnationally right. so that their kids can see that. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it'll just fall on deaf ears. Yeah. Um, right. And then there are practical things. There's an incident. This is just how we've just been trained. After the Philando Castile situation, Alton Sterling, then 24 hours later, mm-hmm. uh, Philando Castile my wife looks at me and she says, hey, hey I, she gives me the talk. Mm-hmm. This is months ago. She mm-hmm. gives me the talk again. Mm-hmm. She says, I don't want you to end up like this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see you like this. I don't want you to be a hashtag. So remember, if you run into law enforcement. Right. And I'm sitting there mm-hmm. overcome with the emotion mm-hmm. that my wife is giving me the talk. So we mm-hmm. have rules and understanding and awareness if people if people say I care about my neighbors but don't have an awareness to do something every yes. single every single time they step outside of their doors mm-hmm. yep. they are looking for ways in which they can affirm their neighbors and protect them if necessary mm-hmm. yep. that takes an entire culture mindset shift mm-hmm. uh-huh. was there ever a time that we see in the scriptures that Jesus wastes an opportunity to protect someone who is being abandoned or abused mm-hmm. no Mm-mm. we see him actively stepping into situations right and we see actively invading spaces where people are are being marginalized and yep my wife knows if i'm in an encounter with law enforcement regardless of what happens you film it mm-hmm. right that's what happens you film right yeah it doesn't matter if they pull a gun on me it doesn't matter if they they brutalize me you film it mm-hmm. and whenever we see people around us we will we will stop and we will film at a yep. reasonable distance we are allowed mm-hmm. to do that we won't interfere. Mm-hmm. There are certain laws in the state of Florida that are that are a bit different, so we can film video but not audio it's mm-hmm. without permission. It's weird. but we still film as much as we can film mm-hmm. because those are our neighbors, and regardless mm-hmm. of if right. they're caught up in something they shouldn't, we also want to make sure that there's accountability if necessary. Right. So, right. Right. training our kids to do that is a lifelong, consistent process that parents have to incar- incarnationally embody mm-hmm. before the kids learn what to do. It's kind of a Okay, do you see this? Okay, right. I'm going to step in. I'm going to show you how I would do this mm-hmm. yeah. and build that privilege for good. Right. Yeah. That's so good. Like we do with so many other things, you know. Right. Talking through, I mean. It is, it is discipleship. Right. It really it, is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think the difference is this is a conversation we, most of us, well, not necessarily Lori and I, but like most white families, you can choose not to have this conversation. Right. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you, if you, if you are like most white people, you live in a white neighborhood, you have white friends, you go to a white church, you can choose not to educate your kids about this stuff. But what we're saying is the gospel calls us to have these kinds Mm -hmm. of conversations. Like we are our brother's keeper and we have to be willing to shed our privilege and, and to expose our kids. Like I get it. I mean, I, I get it that you're exposing your kids to something that you don't have to expose them to. And it could cause fear in them and it could cause worry in them. And, but, but this is what the gospel calls us to. Mm -hmm. And, Craig um, Greenfield, I don't know if any of you guys have read Subversive Jesus, but Tyler, what you were just talking about made me think of a quote in that book where he says, in order to bring the good news, we have to first understand what their bad news Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And if I want to bring the gospel to my neighbors and the good news to them, I need to understand what is the bad news? What is Mm -hmm. their life like every single day, you know? Mm -hmm. And, 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 but as white people, we don't have to. Like, we don't have to, but the gospel compels us to do this and it compels us to have these conversations and to step into these spaces and to, to disciple our kids in a way Mm -hmm. that they look Mm -hmm. out for and love their neighbors. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. I think that's the state of our, Mm -hmm. yes, it is. And I think the state of our nation today is just God's invitation to us to have the conversation Mm -hmm. to invite our kids into another way of living and thinking and, uh, disciple making of our own children mm-hmm. because it's now in the natural rhythm of their life. We're seeing mm-hmm. it played out on television where 10 years ago we weren't, you know, our kids are being exposed to things that they weren't exposed to um, before. And mm-hmm. so the conversation is going to, to come a lot easier, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and it's just a matter of whether we're going to be obedient mm-hmm. to the invitation or not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one thing and, that, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say, I emphasize that, you know, kids are at different places. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, know your kids right. and know how much you can expose them to at the time. I mean, yeah, right. uh, certain kids just can't deal with roots. Or, you know, you just can't show them mm-hmm. roots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've, just had some, I've seen some parents do some crazy things and the kids sure. are like shell-shocked. I'm like, it's, it's not going to happen right. overnight. It's a whiplash yeah. if you do that. But slowly exposing them to certain things in increments is, is probably best. So mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I was going to say one thing I've heard both um, you, Lindsay, and you, Lori, talk about is that God calls the whole family. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't just call the parents. And so I think, you know, we when we think about, you know, both of you in your context and, and the ways that um, people who may not be moving into the neighborhoods necessarily um, but are still kind of figuring out what this looks like um, <clears throat> in the marathon – it's just good to remember that too, that this isn't something that's happening in my heart. This is something yeah. that's happening in my family. Um, mm-hmm. and I am going to, you know, I'm going to take my kids along with me in that. So, um, yeah. anybody else have anything they wanted to add here at the end? Uh, Gosh, just, we could talk for hours. I, I know we, we could keep talking. Um, I don't have any, I mean, I do have more questions, but I'll stop asking them, but I just want to thank you, Tyler, for, coming on and I mean I kind of know what your last couple of weeks have been like I've been watching on Facebook and Twitter and so I know that you are having all kinds of conversations and they're always just so filled with grace and so we just so appreciate you and pass Mm -hmm. the mic and ran and all the work that you guys are doing and we super appreciate the fact that you're sitting here with us at 10 Mm o'clock at night (laughs) and having these conversations because it's it's so important and um you know, we want to, we want to have these kind of hard conversations that people, um, that we feel like people need to hear and mm-hmm. we want to model them. And so we're just so thankful for you for mm-hmm. helping us out with this. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys for having me. It's, thank you. It's been, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And if anyone wants to continue, read more on these things um, and suggest some resources, Divided by Faith is a great book. It's a kind of a take on the church and division mm-hmm, it's yeah. great and if you also want to hear about black history in a very accessible way there's a documentary called many rivers to cross by mm-hmm. skates that is absolutely breathtaking it's a six-part series it's on youtube mm-hmm. it is absolutely beautiful and great way to introduce kids and yourself to black history mm-hmm. yeah that's great thank you 
Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Upside Down Podcast. Find us on Instagram at Upside Down Podcast and at www.upsidedownpodcast.com. And be sure to find Tyler Burns. His Twitter handle is at Burns23. And as always, he says, follow at your own risk. But like we said, it's kind of a risk not to. Thanks again. (laughs) Bye.